Hello and welcome to I Hate Music. Today I have Toby Driver with me from uh, KODOT and about a million other bands. How are you doing, Toby? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. Good to see your face again. It's been quite some time since I've actually seen you in the flesh. Yeah. Um, last time I saw you was um, KODOT Portland show, probably. Yep. Um, um, supporting like, Blasphemy. Yeah, late 2019. Yeah, right before yeah. the world fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was that was like fall, wasn't it? 2019, something like that. It was probably like November. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah that was cool. Um, and then I saw you a couple months before that at Litha. You were right. um, yeah. performing with Asva. That was awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's been a while. So good to good to reconnect a little bit. So you have yeah. uh, a lot of music coming out right now. Obviously, yeah. uh, new Kodot record. When is that coming out? October 29th. Awesome. Okay. That's soon. I'm really stoked on, on yeah, that. It, it is kind of soon. I've been feeling like it's been taking forever, you know, cause I finished it a year ago. Yeah. Um, and then the kind of like campaign that they're doing to kind of like trickle singles out. Sure. It's like, you know, it's like four months long and I'm just like, Oh my God, this is such a long time. But <laughs> yeah, but now it's soon. Now it's only like about a month away. So yeah, that's awesome. Comes up fast. That's great. Um, I would love to talk a little bit about that record. Um, it kind of, for me, came out of left field a little bit. Um, and I would like to talk about the progression from blasphemy, the connection with Maudlin of the Well, yeah, um, that whole thing. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I'm not that familiar with Maudlin of the Well. I mean, yeah. I've heard I've heard the records, obviously, and I've been a, <laughs> I've been a fan of yours, you know, for twenty some years, but. Malin of the Well never really caught my ear. What mm. caught my ear was Choirs of the Eye. And that's and so really I, funny. That, no, no, go on, go on, because I, I want to tell you something, but, but keep okay. going. Yeah. Okay, yeah. great. So, but Choirs of the Eye really, really caught me by surprise. And everybody just kept on, like, I kept on reading about, like, this Toby Driver guy and this Toby Driver guy and whatever. And I'm like, oh, and his, his album's on John Zorn's label. Like, what is up with this guy? Fell in love with KO Dot. And I've just never really revisited Malin of the Well, even though. I know so many people are like, oh my God, you have to, you know, revisit the Model of the Well stuff. Just haven't done it yet. But now because of this new record and the connection with Model of the Well, I'm really curious to go back and revisit some of that stuff. I, I guess I, I'm really curious if like old people, you know, like you and me yeah. <laughs> can can go back and, and like revisit a record that like a 19 year old made and, and be like, yeah, actually this is sick because because you know it's it's so much to me it's like so much from that time for myself and um right and i don't i don't really know if like i don't really know if like uh what am i trying to say if if, if as like a guy in his 40s can like kind of go back and yeah. and resonate with something like that um, well, but maybe i mean i hope so that's cool maybe because I, I i i mean i admire your work so much as it is i feel like anything that you're a part of i'm going to enjoy it's not like it's somebody i don't know you know. Okay. Well, let me tell you another story that like, yeah. I can't believe like I, I have, I haven't talked to you about this before, but oh, I really? guess I just okay. assumed, I guess I just assumed that you knew, but, um, but that's funny. That's funny when you say that you're not familiar with model of the well, uh-huh. because, um, because before model of the well put out any albums, mm-hmm. you know, before we were on dark symphonies with that very, right. very first record that was in 1999, um, we got approached by the end records when uh-huh. the end records was just starting. Okay. I kind of feel like and, I know where this is going to head. 
Do you know what? Okay. So anyway, at the time, um, you know, Andreas, like he, he wrote to me somehow, I guess, I guess it was email, but email was so new for me at the time. It must've been email. Yeah. He wrote to me and he, um, and he was like, yeah, I have this label. And anyway, the only bands on the label were like Agalock and Mm -hmm. sculptured and this band called, yeah, this band called Epoch of Unlight. Yep. I remember. And, um, Uh, there were like a, like two more. If you said them, I would remember. But yeah, probably um, Scalamance, Mental Home. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, so anyway, we uh, we were like kind of like gonna go that way, and the only reason that we didn't do that was because um, Andreas uh, expected us to re-record the uh, the album that we oh. had made. You know, okay. and I was like, oh, my God, I just worked on this for a whole year. Like he, he considered it to be a demo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, what? No, this is an album. I'm, there's no way there's no way that I'm re-recording this because right. it had, I had already worked on it for a year. So um, so anyway, that's that's just why we didn't. But we were almost part of that family with y'all. Um, that would have been very cool. So 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 that's why I guess I kind of always just thought that maybe you knew that, but I guess why would you know that? No, we, I, yeah. I I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think Andreas even mentioned that to me ever, yeah. which is really funny. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely need to go and, and revisit that stuff. You would have, I mean, from what I know of your work, it would have fit very well in that era of, of the end records. It was very strange, uh, innovative yeah, well, music, you know. Well, also because we had trumpet and sculptured had trumpet, so it was yep. like, it, it there was a, there was this kind of just like assumed kinship. Yes. Yep. And um, sure. and I guess even though we never communicated, uh, no, there was there was there was this like assumed kinship, like I said. So yeah, and um, and that the two yeah. bands with trumpets and totally it. Yeah. Uh, it <laughs> I I feel like those records would have made sense on on the end for sure. Um, yeah. But yeah, that yeah, that's funny. I didn't know that. Um, but there's, there's an interesting connection between Maudlin of the Well and the new Kodot record. Can you explain what's going on there? Yeah. Um, the connection is that the connection is threefold. Okay. First, first and foremost, it's the same lineup that, um, that we made the first Maudlin of the Well tapes with. So it's just me, Jason Byron and Greg Massey, three of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then second and third is that the 20th anniversary of our kind of like only real studio album that we did, Bath and Leaving Your Body Map, that double mm-hmm. album. And it's yeah. the 25th anniversary of our very, very first tape, okay, which happened in 1996. So uh, it's, it's like all these anniversaries and um, yeah, the lineup and that kind of thing. So, right. um, you know, and um, aesthetically speaking, uh, just since uh, Kaodaz on Prophecy now, um, well, let me go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been really into this kind of like European metal thing since I was in high school. Same. And, um, and then I, after, after, um, after I kind of got involved with like the Zodic universe and kind of things that were mm-hmm. more outside of metal, um, and things that were like, you know, kind of like ostensibly sophisticated classical and stuff like that. Right. I kind of forgot about European metal because, um, um, I guess, um, you know, I'm, I, maybe I'm ashamed to say, but I just kind of considered it to be a lot dumber than, than the stuff that I was newly getting into. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, uh, you know, and then like, I, I, I would be like around these other people and they'd be like, show me some music that you like. And then I'd pull out some like really kind of like underground band that I guess objectively was kind of bad, but you know, like, <laughs> but, but yeah. I, I really liked it like a B movie. I mean, like I oh, love shit. B horror movies and maybe yeah. like they're usually bad, but I love them. And you know, there were a lot of bands that I liked that I think objectively you could say it was just kind of bad. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, and, definitely, uh, yeah. and so, I, and then I would like, you know, I'd have to show this to people and then I, I'd, I'd find myself being really embarrassed by it. And, uh, and so I kind of just like forgot about that universe for a while and, uh, for a long time actually. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then, um, I just basically kind of considered that world to be almost dead in a way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then when, uh, you know, in around like 26, 2017, um, I, uh, I got this gig playing bass for Merker on a tour or two, I two tours. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And we did, um, actually how many tours did I do? I think I did three tours and two okay. of them were in, three, two of them were in Europe. And, um, and you know, and that scene that we were playing in was this European metal scene and all those yeah. characters mm-hmm. that were like at these shows and, and things like that. They were all like people from my past as a music listener sure and i was yeah. like wow these people still exist and like they're and there were like a thousand people at the shows and i was like wow mm-hmm. this scene is really alive and um it's just been happening the whole time and even though i forgot about it didn't mean that it went away right yep um and then you know just coincidentally we ended up being on prophecy at the same time which are pretty much a european metal label so, yes lots of classic um, metal on that label yeah so um then i was remembering um, years ago when KODOT was on Hydrahead and, uh, we, we signed to Hydrahead having done a couple, you know, what you would call post-metal albums. Okay. Yeah. Something that might've fit with Hydrahead, but then, then our very first record for Hydrahead, I decided to make a kind of saxophone record that had no metal on it. Which one is and that? That's called Blue Lamency Downward. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and anyway, anyway, Hydrahead um, they marketed it to all their metal contacts and then metal people hated it. And, uh, it really like really did not work out well for us. Mm-hmm. Um, actually like the three records that we ended up doing on Hydrahead were all like really abstract, not metal at all. That's great. And we really like didn't take advantage of, um, being on that label. Sure. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. And, and in hindsight, I would say that was like a really bad career move. <laughs> oh, for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah. and so anyway, so now finding that we're in hydro, uh, sorry, on a uh, prophecy and, um, and reflecting upon that, like experience with Hydrahead and, uh, and just, just thinking like, well, you know, like the thing that I told you about being on tour with Merker and, and kind of like seeing that this world was still alive and, um, being on this label, I was like, you know, I think I should, um, try to like embrace this kind of aesthetic again. Because, yeah. mm-hmm. because I like it. And as a guy in his forties, now I can kind of approach it. I can kind of approach it, approach it with some sophistication. Sure. And, um, and so, um, you know, the new K.O.Dot record has something that Maudlin Lowell never had, which is this kind of like mature sophistication. You know, right. Maudlin Lowell is a very, very adolescent. Yeah. And, um, and I think that's why a lot of people end up liking it because it has this just childlike, thing to oh, sure youthful um, vigor is is great for metal music yeah but now, but now like you know when i think about kind of the european metal bands and people that are doing that aesthetic um you know the people that are really really good at it are 
um, like a little bit older and they're like kind of paying attention to how this aesthetic can be sophisticated. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there's a lot there. Um, yeah. 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 It's a deep and, and rich, uh, music with a lot of history at this point. And there's yeah. a lot of history to draw from and a lot of influences. And yeah, the thing that I really like about the new Dot record is that it sounds like you, it doesn't sound like, you know, it doesn't sound like you're like trying to ape like the Peaceville three or something like that. Like you're, you're, you're bringing your own, I mean, obviously you're bringing your own writing to it, but it just, it just, when I listened to it for the first time, I'm like, Oh, it's just reeks of Toby. I mean, like, <laughs> cool. it just, it's just, it sounds like you, but it's, it's just performed in a little bit of a different way in a little bit of a different context. And honestly, it gave me chills. I was just, I was bowled over by it because it's, I am still very much a European metalhead. You know, I listen to death metal almost every day. You know, I listen to a wide variety of stuff, but it's still like, something that I actively listened to and to hear you doing that style just made me so very, very happy. So ah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, I, I don't really know too many people in the U S that are super into that stuff. Yeah. You're one of them, you know, Yeah, yeah it's <laughs> and, I know a lot of people, so I, it's, you do. Oh yeah. Because yeah. of the, your bands. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But no, yeah, I, I really don't know any because because Ko Dot didn't really exist in that scene the same way that Agaloc did. No. So um, so I never really met Americans that were so much like that. Actually, like the only Americans that I know, probably these days, who are into that stuff very much are the guys from Oceans of Slumber, and the only okay. reason I know them is because we did that same Merker tour together. Oh sure. You know, okay. it was like Merker and Oceans of Slumber and uh, Epica on that tour, and like that's how I know them, but they're, they're from Texas and they're really into European metal, but yeah. even in New York city, like I think the people, the metal people that I know, like are not super deep into it. Like for some reason, the New York people really like stuff from Finland, but <laughs> you know, yeah. they love Finland and then like, they don't really seem to really think outside of Finland. I don't know why this is, but yeah, well, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's kind of a strange thing too, because I mean, European metals, obviously it's a very blanket statement. Um, right. And every time Agaloc would go to Europe, we would play these festivals filled with, you know, 10,000 different bands. And we're like, oh, my God, all these bands are horrible. Mm. And uh, there's so much European metal that is just, to me, not my style. You know, very overproduced, very like power metal type stuff that I'm just not into. Mm. Um, but like the classic Norwegian black metal I'm super into um, you know, like a lot of the Swedish stuff, of course, the Finnish stuff has always been really unique and interesting. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of different, it really depends on what you're talking about as far as like European yeah. metal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know a lot of people that like all of it too. So, yeah. but there's a lot of it I just can't stand as well. And like, there were some times on those tours playing those giant festivals. I'm like, I am so embarrassed to be here right now. Mm-hmm. Like this band is making me like trivium stuff like that. I just like, mm-hmm. oh, I can't, I can't even watch this. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, death metal is still, still my thing. That's still, yeah, Yeah, I, I, yeah, unfortunately, like I've never really had that experience with my own music over in Europe. You know, when, when Dot would tour in Europe, we would be doing these like really small DIY shows and it seemed like there was almost no community. You know, the only, the only time I really ever experienced community in, in Europe was at Roadburn when we played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I mean, every, every other time we were there, I felt super isolated and, yeah. you know, Kodot, like we, we, back in the day, we didn't really 
draw very well. So like there weren't really even like a lot of people at the shows that were stoked and stuff like that. Right. And uh, I mean, the people that were there that were, they were stoked, but like there sure. weren't that many of them, you know? And, well, um, and so it, it was like, yeah, I felt like we were out there alone. You know, there was like not yeah. really a scene supporting us at all. Um, well, K- we need to do festivals, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, chaos just weird enough that, you know, I mean, that's kind of, I th- I feel like it's hard to break through, especially in Europe. With- yeah. And we also deliberately diverged from metal, you know, so that's, that's our own Definitely. fault too. It's not like, not like we were looking right. for that kind of scene, but. Right. I mean, but, and that's, that's what I mean about these festivals. It'd be 10,000 bands that sound just like Manowar, you know, mm. like every single one of them. Um, but I, I feel like Chaodot was just unique enough where it was hard to break into those scenes and get that fan base and like play those festivals where Roadburn, like that would be the home of Chaodot. I mean, that makes yeah. sense, you know? Yeah. So I can that definitely see where that would happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, as far as live performances go, I mean, do you have anything? I mean, everything's so strange right now. Do you have any inklings of performance or anything like that on the horizon? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do like um maybe a couple weeks of my solo stuff over there. Okay. Um, I have like four in the UK and then like maybe a week in France. Oh, great! In March. Okay. Um, but as far as Kyoto goes, yeah, I mean, we. I would say that we're effectively retired as a live band until people start giving a shit. Yeah. And that's what I told the band too. Uh, you know, um, the last tour that we, that we did, uh, we got cut off in the middle of the tour because of the pandemic, you know, we had oh, to, right. we had to come home like in the middle of the tour and like everybody was upset. And, um, and we had like a bad experience with our booking agent, our former booking agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and just everything was just kind of a mess, you know, and, um, yeah, we, we just were, we were just like all super unhappy. So we were just like, you know, like we've been around 18 years now and we shouldn't be dealing with this shit. Yeah. You know, like we should, we should be, we should be in a better position. You know, we should be doing better shows and we shouldn't be fighting with our booking agent and, you know, and, you know, it, it just it just shouldn't be as hard as it is at this stage, right? No, so, it shouldn't. especially when so I was just yeah. So I was just yeah. like I was. I I said to the band, I was like, "You guys, I just think that we shouldn't grind this way because we deserve better." So, and they were yeah. like, "Yeah, okay." So, um, you know, like if people really really care about this record and we get some offers, then sure we'll play. Mm-hmm. But if it's just going to be like bullshit, like grinding the same way that you would do when you're in your twenties, then yeah. KODOT doesn't need to do that. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you guys have been doing this a long time. You're all professionals. You have a lot of records under your belt. You have critically acclaimed records. I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, even the the, the Portland show you played here, you know, I thought it was woefully un, unattended. Hmm. And um, yeah, I don't really know why that is. I mean, I feel like you and KODOT are, you have a following and you have a name. I, I don't know why people aren't coming out to the shows like that. That's Yeah. I, I think it's just because we've never been hip. And, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, we yeah. like, there's just nothing trendy about right. Kyoto at all. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, shall we listen to a song off the new Kyoto record? Do you have one that you want to play? Yeah. Um, I just think we should play Get Out of the Tower. It's the single that just came out. Perfect. Let's do it. Uh, here's, what's the name of the record again? Moss Grew on the Swords and Plowshares Alike. 
Awesome. This is coming out on Prophecy October 29th. Yeah. Here it is.
cool. Uh, thanks for sharing that with us. Um, I also wanted to talk to you about the Alora Crucible project. Um, that recently came out on House of Mythology, yeah. um, which I was very, very happy to see. Uh, that seems like a really killer home for Alora Crucible. Um, Thank you. So tell me a little bit about how this project started. Um, it's, I really, really love the record and it really took me off guard. Uh, just a different style that I didn't really see you doing. Mm, thank you. Um, okay. Well, let's see. Um, you know, I've been into new age music since I was in high school and, mm. uh, and, you know, talking about European metal as we did, um, you know, my favorite stuff was whenever I would find some really slow metal that had spacey keyboards. Oh, sure. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and just mixing those two things is like, wow, I can't believe that this exists. Yeah. And that kind of became my favorite style, you know, cause I loved metal and I, and I really liked new age, but when you blend those two together, wow. Yeah. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. So anyway, you know, back when I was in high school, there weren't that many bands like that, but I think there are, there are a lot more now. Yeah. Agreed. Um, anyway, uh, you know, as a new age fan, um, which, yeah, I was a new age fan and then, and then kind of like got into this metal with the keyboard. So, so sure. quickly I kind of just became a guy that had a metal band with keyboards and I forgot about even like trying to play new age music. I just, mm -hmm. you know, had listened to it. Um, and you know, for decades, I just never even tried to play it for some reason. I really don't know why, probably just cause I was focused on bands, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, um, a a couple of years ago, I, um, when was this? Yeah, I guess I would say it was, it was all of 2019. Basically, KO.Dot finished uh, our previous record, Blasphemy, in the summer of like September 2018. Okay. And it, it could have come out 2018, September, but as labels are, you know, they just like wait forever to put stuff out. Yeah. I don't know why, but, um, but they waited like a whole year and put it out in September, 2019. So um, actually, you know, I, sorry, it's not just their fault. It's because like kind of like some other things happen. I kind of sure, asked yeah. ask them to wait. So whatever, it's not, it's not them, but you know, just as, as these things are. Oh yeah. I um, know. I know. My new record is, it took a year and a half to come out. It's been done for a year and a half. And it's all the different things that go into that. It's just, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's frustrating, but I totally understand. But anyhow, um, so it took a whole year for, from the point that that record was finished until the point that it came out. So during that entire year, I was just like, um, what else happened? Hmm. Trying to kind of get my timeline straight. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here's what else happened. Sorry. So we finished <laughs> Blasphemy uh -huh. September 2018. Okay. Then I went on a pretty long tour for my solo stuff because i had a solo album come out also right. september 2018 that's right they're the shield right yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i went on probably three months or so of touring mm -hmm. and um half of half of those dates you know probably like four to five weeks i was completely alone um just like did a solo tour which i love by the way not complaining it's just awesome but it was it's very lonely yeah and um and then the other like five weeks or, or so, I did it with a band in Europe. And um, 
and the European tour, um, uh, without getting into too much drama, the, the label that that came out on, like really made a really big mistake. And they, uh, they basically, oh man, I I guess I want to tell you just to make it clear. Basically what they did was that they fired, um, our publicists like one week into the album campaign and then didn't tell me. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't tell me. And then, so like I was out there like uh, on tour in Europe and, uh, you know, it wasn't really going well. And, um, and then, uh, you know, and then when I got home, I was like, hey, can you give me like a kind of like publicity report? Because I just want to see like what's going on. Right. And the, the publicist was like, um, you know that I got fired like three months ago. And I was like, what? Oh, no. So anyway, so then I addressed it with the label and uh, and I wrote them and I was like, you guys, what is this that I, I heard that you fired the publicist and I was on tour and like you didn't even tell me that there was no no publicist what the fuck yeah and instead of writing me back they went onto facebook and posted that the label was going out of business because the guy like couldn't handle bands being upset at him so he decided to close his label oh man i didn't know that instead instead of writing me back yeah and then i wrote them another email and i was like what the fuck is this shit that i just saw and instead of getting a response, I just got an auto reply and it was like, we're on vacation for the next month. (laughs) So then I had to wait like a whole other month to even get a response. And then, um, you know, and then I like started kind of having more conversations with them, but I was like super, super pissed. And, um, and you know, I, I felt like I really got fucked over. Oh yeah. So anyhow, um, because of all of, all of that shit, I also got evicted, like kind of, I didn't get evicted at that time. I I basically got to move out of my apartment because I was in a super bad situation. But anyway, like all these like really bad things were happening at the same time. Sure. Um, and, uh, and so I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm not going to play music for a little while. I'm just going to like practice painting. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, I basically like deliberately didn't even like engage with music for like four months or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which felt like forever. Yeah. And, um, and then, um, and then after about four months, I, I was waiting for a layer of paint to dry. <laughs> I was working on a painting and it was oils. So I had to wait like a couple days for the layer to dry. Right. And I was like, well, what will I do? I guess I'll pick up the guitar and fuck around. And, um, and I picked up the guitar and then just automatically I started writing some stuff. <laughs> and I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I did not intend for this to happen. Um, but of course that's just kind of like what naturally is going to happen. So I started writing some stuff and then I kind of got back into it, mm-hmm. even though I had intended to take a lot more time off. And, uh, and I, I kind of came up with like a um, bunch of like solo guitar pieces okay. and, um, and was trying to kind of come up with an album that was like no vocals and like just more focused on guitar playing and stuff like that. And over the course of like several months, this kind of, uh, these songs kind of developed into these things that were like solo guitar pieces and, um, then Kodot did some touring and then, um, you know, blasphemy came out, Kodot did some touring and then the pandemic happened and I had to go home and, um, and then I figured just since everything was closed and I had literally nothing else to do, I figured it would be a good time to record those pieces that I had been kind of 
sitting in my brain for like a year. All right. Okay. And, um, and as I recorded them, um, the other thing that was happening was because of the pandemic, I started to, uh, listen to more new age music, you know, like stuff from the past, but also stuff that I had never discovered before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of this was because, um, everyone was so freaked out because of the pandemic, you know, it was, it, it was kind of like more fitting to listen to relaxing yes. meditative uh-huh. stuff yeah. as opposed to rock music. Um, and I was kind of listening to this to kind of ground myself. And I also was, um, in Connecticut, uh, you know, which is where I'm from mm-hmm. and Connecticut is where I discovered new age and there's a lot of forest and stuff like that. So it just, it really fit. Right. Yeah. And, um, and as I was recording this music, I, I was like, think about new age. And so I was like, Oh, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity. I'll add more keyboards and, <laughs> and like make this like really atmospheric and maybe it's not actually a solo guitar record. Maybe it's like a new age record with atmospherics. Right. And I, and I mm-hmm. had like this kind of like tape machine that I recorded a lot of it on to have this kind of like vintage sound. So just all these things kind of fell into place. And, um, and then when I was kind of pretty much done with that, um, Timba Harris had played violin on my last solo tour and we'd been talking about doing more stuff together. So I just sent him, I was like, can you add some stuff to this? And he just added all that amazing violin that you hear. That's so great. I love yeah. Timba so much. Uh, yeah. I mean, really yeah. just um, remarkable. So then the record became like more like a collaborate, a collaboration record between he and I. Um, yeah. And, um, and then like a lot of the, the rest of the record kind of, came together in the production side, you know, as I was working on becoming like a better producer and engineer and I was like kind of shaping it in the studio. So it was this really amazing process that, that took a couple of years really. It was like a year of me like quitting and a year of me being depressed and then a you know, sure. year of me thinking about the songs and then yeah. this, this beautiful, peaceful record came out. And uh, released on Garm's label. That's crazy. That's true. That's super, super crazy and awesome. And, um, and I really like, I mostly am, I I think I mostly got hooked up with that through Daniel O'Sullivan. Um, Oh, you know, Daniel. Yeah. And, um, and he, you know, we, we'd been communicating for a while and he was supportive of me and kind of, um, you know, had, uh, Chris listen to they are the shield and everybody in Ulver like really liked that record. Oh, great. Okay. um, You know, he, so he kind of like pointed me in the right direction there. So. That's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. Really, really fortunate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, and it's a beautiful record. I got it in the mail a couple of weeks ago. It's awesome. Very stoked on that. Thank you. Yeah, sorry, I just like talked for like ten minutes. No, <laughs> man, that's great. That's that's what I want. That's what I want. It's okay. all about it's all about talking. Um, <laughs> do you anticipate doing another record like this, or do you totally? Have any, yeah, um, it's not. It's not going to be so electric though, because I've been thinking a lot about um, the apocalypse. Mm-hmm. and um and about how like you know soon um you know sh- shit's gonna be so fucked like so fucked beyond what we can even imagine yeah um but i'll never stop being a musician but i was reflecting uh, on the fact that all the music that i made requires electricity so oh, interesting um, yeah okay and and i really do not enjoy <clears throat> acoustic guitar at all playing so, or listening to uh playing it I, okay. I don't enjoy playing it yeah um so um, so I was just thinking about like, man, I gotta, I gotta make some more like acoustic music. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I don't really want to use guitar. So, you know, I, um, I got really into this Swedish band called Krupa. Uh, they're kind of like a Swedish, like a modern Swedish folk band. Okay. Um, 
and I was I was thinking about how I wanted to kind of make music that was kind of like that, um, but you know, not maybe not so blatantly, um, like traditional. Sure. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I I got a hammered dulcimer. Nice. Yeah, love those. And um, you know, and I've never played one before, so I have to learn how to play it. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then after I learn how to play it, I'm gonna compose um, some stuff with that, and Timbo will play. And we'll have like a kind of acoustic record. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, you know, and maybe there'll be some kind of keyboard instrument, but I'm really, I really am thinking about like music that can be played, um, you know, out in the, out in the forest or something sure. without, yeah. without electricity. And also like, yeah. you know, a piano, you can't take anywhere, maybe a harmonium. I don't know, just like something, right. but stuff like that. But it's kind of like in my mind right now. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. Um, should we listen to an Laura Crucible track then? Yeah. Yeah. Which one do you want to play? Uh, play the first track, which is called Livano Mancy and Jasper. Awesome. And that is available now from House of Mythology and various outlets, I assume? Yeah. Excellent. Here it is.
All right. That was awesome. I love that record. I actually listened to it quite a bit at, uh, at the house while cooking. So awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so those are basically the two things that you've been doing lately. Um, I know that you also had recently a, I'm really curious about, about how this went down. The, the band camp campaign for the blood mist vinyl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when I first heard that Bandcamp was doing this, I thought, what an amazing opportunity for artists and Bandcamp is always, it feels like out of like most businesses uh, that are around these days, they seem to be one of the most artist friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought this was just an extension of that. And what a great, I mean, it makes sense for them. It makes sense for the artist. Um, and then of course you have to be basically approved to be able to do it. Um, the thing that I submitted was rejected. Um, How long ago was that? Because I think they, they have like changed it now. I think everybody can do it. Oh, really? I don't know. I could be oh. wrong. I mean, I remember like at the beginning they were, it was kind of like, uh, restricted, but I think mm-hmm. they opened it up more. Okay. I'll look into it. Um, yeah. I have a, I have a couple of records in my back catalog that I'd love to see on vinyl. Um, yeah. and you know, I, I've never really promoted my band camp or really used it that much until, until maybe a year ago. So my sales on there are very, very slim. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, most people, when they buy my music, they buy Agalock. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really reflect through my Bandcamp sales. Um, but I'm really curious, like, how did that go? Um, it, it, it seems like it must've been a positive experience. I know the campaign was successful. I got an email yeah. the other day that the vinyl is being produced. Oh yeah. Cool. Thank Yeah. Thanks for contributing. Of course. Yeah. Uh, um, I yeah, buy everything well, that you do <laughs> <laughs> except for Ronald of the well, that's where I draw the line. I'm never going to listen to that. <laughs> Um, well, as far as I know, it worked well. We haven't received the product yet, so okay. we, I still, you know, remains to be seen. But I'm sure it's going to be yeah. fine. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a cool process, and and basically, when you're going through the campaign, they have um, a project manager that that goes along with you and just like communicates oh, awesome. with you pretty pretty okay. frequently. Yeah, um, so it, it's cool, um, and yeah, I would definitely do it again, um, and. Uh, I think everybody should try it because because uh, it just seems like it, it really seems like the best choice for anybody that doesn't have ten thousand dollars up front yeah. to to make a, a vinyl, you know. Well, there's absolutely no risk for the artist. Right? Absolutely no risk. Yeah. Yeah. No risk to the customers either because it's if it's not funded, they get their money back. Right. I mean, they don't even pay anything. You know, it's like a right. basically like Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so for people that aren't familiar with it, Bandcamp started this thing where, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, Toby, but the the artist uh, basically starts a campaign saying like, "Hey, I want to make this record," um, and you have different like different tiers that you can pledge to make the record happen, or different like bundles, um, and then if you raise enough money, then they produce the record, they manufacture it, and they fulfill orders, right? Yeah, I think I think like the biggest thing is that they fulfill orders because. Because I've done um, a couple pre-order campaigns for vinyls before, their yeah. self-releases, uh-huh. and the uh, the hardest part of that process is always mailing, like packaging yeah. and mailing. Mm-hmm. That's always like that takes the longest, and it's the yep. most expensive, and it sucks. Yeah, um, I do a lot of that with all my endeavors. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so to not have to do that is incredible. Right. Um, because like the, the past two times that I did that, you know, um, both times that I, I pre, that I funded a vinyl through pre-orders, 
the turnaround time was just very, very long. And then yeah. all my fans were just like, why the fuck is this taking so long? Yeah. It's just like, well, I mean, it just takes a long time. It's a lot of work. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and vinyl manufacturing now is so backed up. It's ridiculous. It's yeah. Like insane. vinyl manufacturing is backed up, but then also once you receive them, it's like oh, a yeah. lot of work. I mean, a lot of work. it's a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it's a ton of work. It, I mean, there's so much that goes into it that people don't really think about. It's like, oh, you just package it up and send it off. But yeah. there's so much that goes into that. So yeah, I can see where that would be huge for artists, as well as just fronting the money and managing yeah. it. And yeah, I that's would totally great. Do it again. Yeah. So is there is there a release date for that? For well, that? you know, oh, like yeah. it was supposed to be August. Okay. But uh, but you know, with everything that's going on. Sure. They now said it's probably going to show up in April. Okay. Yeah. That's not too bad. Well, it's not too bad, but it was supposed to be August. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That's just kind of how it is with vinyl, you know? Like, yeah. I've got a reissue coming out um, that was supposed to, well, I was hoping to get it out this fall. And because of uh, the production times on vinyl, it's coming out sometime next spring. I don't even know when. Yeah. It's just. Just have no idea. So, just seems like maybe somebody, like some entrepreneur, should like open a vinyl manufacturing plant. Yeah, like you'd probably get a lot of business. Yeah, I, <laughs> there was one that just opened up here in Portland fairly recently, um, within the last couple of years, and apparently they're just they're so slammed and booked that they can't even keep up with it. Yeah, it's like man, if if anybody like needed to create a job for themselves, yeah, as long as you could like get the like loan to start up your business, that would be a great business to have yeah. a career you know yeah. and the know-how i mean you have to have people that know how to do it which that's i think true. is a pretty big stumbling block but that's true so um blood mist yeah let's talk about blood mist for a second uh i don't yeah i, I mean to be perfectly honest with you it was something that i had heard of but i hadn't really listened to it until a couple of years ago um so can you explain the concept of that a little bit Sure. Uh, first I wanted to say that, um, I think like a few minutes ago you said that K- the KO record and the Allure Crucible record are basically what I've been up to. Um, from my perspective. But, perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but that's not actually true because, because those are both 2020 albums sure. that are, that are just coming out now. Yeah. So all of this year, mm-hmm. um, the things I've been working on the most are blood mist and, uh, the Nuvora record. Oh, Vora. Yes, of course. Yeah. And, uh, and that's been my, that's been my year this year. Um, and you know, those probably won't come out until next year, of course. Right. Um, but blood mist is, um, you know, to be reductive, it's a f- free improvisation trio. Mm-hmm. And, uh, the other musicians are Jeremiah Zimmerman mm-hmm. and Mario Diaz de Leon. And, um, you know, everybody's a composer and producer in their own right. So, um, so it's like a super group in mm-hmm. a way, you know, um, there's a lot of like strong ideas and sure. strong yeah. like aesthetic confidence. And, um, and then, you know, it's not just a uh, bullshit free improv, you know, it's, it's definitely also like edited and, uh, like the performances aren't edited, but I mean, the mixes are edited and produced to the, to the point right. where, um, where we can, we kind of like shape it into something that's 
more listenable than you're just standard old just an improv free free improv yeah and uh and i i guess um i i i would like to believe that we're kind of like that norwegian band called super silent i don't know if you've ever heard of them but they're like them they're they're basically a free improv group from norway or trio and uh they're amazing i mean like you know you can listen to the music and think it's compositions it's just so well done I will check and, that out. Uh, and it's like aesthetically like really dark and like pretty electronic. It's not free jazz, you know, it's like just okay. free improv. Just so, so, so good. And I think they they have like 14 albums by now or something. Oh, like wow. That. Really? Uh, okay. Probably. I mean, oh. um, it, so they're, they're so great. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when I, you know, since I, since I not really like a guy with a background in improvisation, Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess by this point now I am it's just since it's right. been so many years, but, <laughs> yeah. but you know, I, I'm like a rock guy. So, yeah. um, you know, when I was first kind of doing the improvisation, um, the, you know, I, I hoped that, that we could be as cool as super silent. Uh, and, you know, I think that we're actually there now. Um, you know, uh, blood mist has existed for 10 years, okay. but we play very, very seldom. Um, and, uh, you know, we mostly like, cause everyone's so busy with their own stuff, but also it's kind of got to the point where we really only want to play if the context is really, really awesome. Like we don't sure. do, we don't do like shitty bar shows and stuff like that. We would just, yeah. we would just wait for like a really sweet sonic situation where like the, you know, the venue's good and the venue's good and stuff. Yeah. I saw a little bit so, of a live stream that you guys did oh, yeah. about a year yeah, ago yeah. or so. Yeah. I feel like it was like right at the beginning of the pandemic or something like that. Um, um, well, we did one around Halloween, which was a, um, it was like an actual live stream concert. And then we did one, we did another one on my Instagram live, uh, which wasn't an official concert. It was a recording session, but I streamed it in November. So I'm, that's what um, I watched. I think. You watched that one. And that one became what's going to be the new record. You know, we recorded for about 10 hours and we came up with, you know, like five or so like really great pieces of music. Mm-hmm. And Blood Mist has two studio albums that already came out. Um, but the new one that is going to come out is just like next level. I mean, we really found something really super special. So I just, awesome. I'm super excited about it. I can't wait for people and so to hear it. That record is taken from those sessions from that live stream. That's all it is. It's just a, it's yeah. just a live recording. And we went into a studio later and had it professionally mixed, but mm-hmm we didn't really change it. You know, it, it sounds very, very live. And the room that we did it in was like this huge warehouse. So it, it's just like very, very live sounding as opposed right. to the two previous records we did, which were studio and everything sure. is very uh, isolated. You know, in this yeah. case, it was just like this played so loud and just like, I had like stacks of amps and it was just <laughs> That's like, awesome. yeah. 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 So what are you, what are you typically playing? with blood i play bass bass okay that's what i that's what i recalled yeah yeah but it's all extended technique it's no like traditional right you know right basically doesn't really function as a bass it it functions as like a mid-range instrument Mm -hmm. and um and then the the low end is more like handled by mario who plays um like a drum machine like he has like this kind of like kick drum that he designed so it's like a very like low tone kick which is which is providing like all like the kind of like low um 
low pitch based content and mm-hmm. occasionally Jeremiah will play some Moog, but um, yeah, that's where all the bass is. My oh. bass is just like, yeah, it's like mid range, right? Almost like guitar. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. I didn't know that you're making a, well, you made a new record. Uh, do you have any idea for release time on that sometime next year? Yeah, I think, I think we're going to try to do January. Okay. Um, yeah, what we're really trying to do with that one is try to do some festival booking if we, if possible. And, oh, cool. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, but it's really like just because of the pandemic, we don't really know yeah. how to time it, you know, because, yeah. because we don't want the record to be too old when opportunities start opening up. Right. Um, but we also don't want to wait too long and miss all the opportunities. So yeah, not really sure. Maybe January though. That would be cool. It's already done. So we could, we could really, if we're going to self-release, so we could really put it out whenever. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Are those typically, so for the, for the first two records, are those like long form songs or are, are they something that you could play for us to, tonight? The first two records? Yeah. They're tracks. Let's just play yeah. um, one of the shorter tracks. Um, cool. Yeah. And awesome. I forgot which one I told you, but it's, but I wrote it down for you. Yep. Um, it's going to be the pathogenic panspermia. <laughs> yeah. And which record is, is that off of? Is that off the latest one? Yeah. The latest one called the FOSS. FOSS. Okay. Here it is.
Very cool. Yeah. Uh, man, you have so much stuff. You have so much, <laughs> so many projects, so many bands. Um, one of the things that I found really interesting, you released a couple years ago. Forgive me, I can't remember. Was it under your own name? It was the, uh, oh man, I, what is that called? The NGH4M. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that was another thing where, I mean, I should never be surprised by what you do. But when I listened to that, I was like, oh, I mean, it sounds like, I mean, I can, it sounds like Toby, but if somebody played this for me, I wouldn't be like, oh, that's Toby Driver. Hmm. But it makes okay. sense that you're doing it. It's, it's, it was, uh, again, just another style that I was not expecting to hear from you. Cool. Is that something that you're going to pursue further? I mean, that was what, a couple of years ago? Yeah, I did that around, um, yeah, I did that in December 2019. When, you know, it was like really okay. all in the midst of all this like really dark shit that I was just telling you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, NGH4M means never going to happen for me. Right. And it's, and it's really about like, you know, my life and my desires. And, um, you know, just like the things that I want are never going to happen. Yeah. So, um, so it's like a super depressing song. That's basically about jumping in front of the subway. Oh, I didn't get that <laughs> and, from it. Wow. And yeah. And you know, and it's a winter song, you know, I released it in yeah. December and, um, it's just like the bleakest. So, um, and when I released it, like a bunch of people wrote to me and they were like, are you okay? Um, yeah. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, you know, like, I guess I'm okay. Um, but that's awesome that that made you afraid because right. it's real, you know, like that, yeah. that mm -hmm. like I'm glad that I could communicate that. Um, so anyway, yeah, that song is, well, you know, it's like more in the vein of my singer songwriter stuff, which is mm -hmm. basically like the intention of my singer songwriter ballads is to be very minimal. Um, so in all of those songs that I've released as like a singer songwriter so far, each song has like two parts. They're yeah. really re repetitive. It's like, it's really just like minimal singer songwriter stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like an exercise. I mean, just that, that project is, is kind of like an exercise in not bring, not being prog. Sure. <laughs> it's yeah. very, very hard for me to not yeah, be yeah. prog. Mm -hmm. um, so I try to just like simplify as much as possible and still like be emotive and still be compelling. And um, NGH4M is one of those types of songs, but it just so happens to have a kind of like loud, noisy section in the middle. Uh -huh. um, yeah. But, it, you know, um, and, you know, I recorded that at home and, and uh, that was just like right at the beginning of the process of me taking myself seriously, starting to take myself seriously as uh, a recording engineer. And, okay. uh, mm -hmm. and through a, through a lot of 2020, um, I, I basically, you know, since it was a pandemic and I had nothing else to do, I was basically spending all my time upgrading my studio at home and like learning how to become, um, a better recording engineer. Right. And, you know, of course I'm still learning, but, um, but it was also an exercise in believing in myself and having confidence and mm -hmm. being like, man, I've gone like my whole career of like paying other people to record me. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, I'm like 43, I'll be 43 in like a couple of weeks. And, um, and you know, the, the engineers that recorded 
my old records that are considered by my fans to be really great records, like Model of the Well, Acquires the Eye, like all of those, the engineers cool. were like only like 30 at the time. So yeah. uh-huh. it's like, wow, if they could do that when they're 30, I'm 43. I have like a lifetime of knowledge. Of course I can do this. I can take myself seriously. And I know a lot. So, um, so yeah, throughout, throughout 2020, I was just like kind of becoming a better engineer, but, but NGH4M is maybe like the first song where I was like actually trying to do that and then release it. That's my first oh, okay. try. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, it's raw, but, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, was, it was fun to do and like fun to kind of just like be alone and make some music, make myself feel better by just making a song. It's, it's great to have an outlet like that when you're, yeah. when you're struggling and yeah, you're stuck in the winter in New York city. Oh, yeah. 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 Does the winter affect you a lot? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. And it gets worse every single year. So, um, so for a few years I've been like, man, I really got to move somewhere warmer. I've been thinking about LA for a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I I thought about Mexico for a few years. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, just, you know, the, the world is changing to the point where neither of those things really makes a lot of sense anymore. Yeah. Like, three years ago, maybe it would have been cool, but now it's like, wow, man, California is on fire and it's fucked up. And Mexico is like, you know, I spent some time there this year and, uh, it's not really as easy to get my work done as I thought it might be. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, That was interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. you went to Mexico city a couple of times, you played some solo gigs there and it looked like you're, you were performing with a couple people in Mexico city as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I have a lot, I have a lot of friends there. Now. That's awesome. Okay. Um, yeah. And they have a great scene. So. And you were um, meeting people while you were there and then, per, and then performing with them. No, they, well, one of the guys who owns the venue was one guy I met just recently. Okay. But uh, other people I knew like the, from the previous time. That I was oh there. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. I, man, I was, I was so jealous. You're just like, Oh, I'm in Mexico city. And I was like, Oh my God, that sounds amazing. I've never yeah. been, I've never been. So, and I've, I've always wanted to go down there. It sounds amazing. Well, I mean, the, you know, pandemic is in full force, so I didn't really Definitely. get to really, really do very much. Not yeah. yet anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Should we listen to that track? Yeah. In GH for him. Yeah. All Never right. going to happen for me. Let's do it. <laughs>
Beneath me, 
Is there anything that, I mean, you're obviously working on a lot of things, um, but is there anything that you haven't done yet that you're hoping to do as far as like, uh, I don't know, like a, like a, like a music style or, you know, like a collaboration or like if you're able to just like pull something out of the air and be like, Hey, I would love to, of course, I mean, but like, what would be like your favorite thing to do at this point? Yeah. Well, okay. Well, I, I have two separate, like totally like separate answers for this. Great. Um, like musically speaking, um, I want to do some larger scale stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like compositions that require like a, a bunch, much bigger ensemble. I'd love that. Or, um, also site specific compositions. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of those things require a lot of resources Yeah. and, uh, I don't have those resources. And, um, you know, I tried to apply to a bunch of arts residencies, mm-hmm. uh, in Europe to try to like, kind of get into that world of doing that. And I just like, I never get them. They're so hard yeah. to get. So right. I still have not gotten any, um, but you know, I want one, I want yeah. some resources so I could do something bigger. Um, so that's kind of like my next musical desire. And like the only taste of that, that I got in my life so far was like in 2017, um, this festival in Poland called Sacrum Profanum. Okay. They, uh, they invited me and they like commissioned me to write a chamber orchestra piece for their group. Oh, wow. And, um, and it was cool and I did it, but, um, but it, you know, it was like, it was generally a positive experience and I had a really great time being there. But I, one thing that I learned was that, um, there is, you know, in that context, there's like not really an opportunity to work with the ensemble on getting my piece to sound the way that I want it to. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. So it was basically like I show up and they had been already rehearsing it themselves, but then I show up and I basically had like an hour to sound check and just Mm. be like, okay, you know, like that's cool. But yeah, there was no opportunity to like take a day or two to actually work on it with them. So, um, so in my mind, it sounded like the piece sounded like they were reading a piece as opposed to, like actually performing sounding like music, you know? Yeah. Which is fine. I mean, like maybe that's just how the classical world is. And maybe you just never get time to actually rehearse, but maybe that's, maybe that's one thing that in rock music we take for granted that we actually can rehearse right. and we can make stuff sound like a band, like sound like we, we can make stuff sound like we know the music and that we're playing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And classical people just don't really do that. I don't really know. I am not that experienced with that world, but right. 
it remains yeah. to be seen. Um, but I, yeah, I would like to have that opportunity to kind of write something larger scale with funding, you know, with resources in a really, really beautiful large space, but then also have time to actually work on it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what I want. <laughs> that would be that would be amazing. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, then it, so but then cool. in terms of like uh, just like career goals right now, uh, really all I want to do is I want to just like play really great shows. Mm-hmm. You know, like I want to have have a great tour, and I want people to come to the show. And for some reason, yeah. that's been like super super hard for the past few years. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a weird time. It's a weird time for music too. Yeah, um, I mean, and obviously now it's even worse for everything. (laughs) (laughs) I I mean, I sit at home, you know, like during all this right now and I like, I, you know, I sit at home and I look at the internet and it seems like people are out there having really great shows and stuff. It does. Um, I, I have yet to be, to attend a show, but I know people that are playing live and touring and attending shows, but I've yet to experience it. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I, hmm, I went to a couple low key shows. None of them were like loud rock shows or anything, but, but yeah, I mean like just, man, I just want to like, I just want to have a bunch of good shows. (laughs) It doesn't even seem like a lot to ask. It's like, it sounds like such a a small thing. It's like, I just want to play some cool shows. Yeah. It it seems like a simple request. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, I've been feeling it too. I mean, last, last show I went to, I actually, it was me and Thief in Eugene, Oregon. Mm. And so the last show I attended was when I performed and we played in front of 10 people that night, mm-hmm. you know, maybe. Yeah. It's a pretty amazing show actually. <laughs> um, mm. So it was a good, good one to go out on, but uh, still, um, yeah, I mean, shit, that's been almost two years now. Yeah. And uh last show I attended that I didn't perform at was, uh, Mr. Bungle in LA. Oh yeah. And that was awesome. But man, it's been a long time, very long time. I think that might be like the last loud show that I went to also. In New York. Yeah. Yeah. In New York, not counting the KO dot tour that happened after that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Bungle. Yeah. Maybe it was the last one. Yeah. Definitely was for me. I flew down there just to see him and, it's a great weekend, but uh, yeah, fuck, man. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, on to cheerier subjects. Uh, I really want to touch base about Vora, too. Yeah, okay. Um, tell me a little bit about Vora. I feel like that's a band I see pop up now and then. Uh, you guys have, what, three records? Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Your last one was, God, I can't remember the name of it. It's called Sables. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tell me a little bit about Vora. Um, okay. Vora is, um, it's also kind of like a super group. Yeah. Because um, the singer and band leader is in a lot of cool bands in the kind of like gothy post-punk scene. Mm-hmm. Not really metal, but just this whole other scene that's like, you know, goth right. post-punk. I mean, there's so many bands in that scene. And since since I'm like more of a metal guy, I couldn't even really tell you really what that scene is. It's like the Dace records scene, you know, like Zeno yeah, and Clander, like just like he's in that really scene, but he's in like lots and lots and lots of bands in that scene. And then uh, the, the guitarist is Kevin Huffnagel, who's in Gorguts and Dysrhythmia and yep. stuff like that. 
Kevin's and, a really old friend of mine. Cool. Yeah. And then there's me. And, uh, and then we had a drummer for the first three records, but, um, but he quit recently. So, okay. Um, so now it's just the three of us. And, uh, it, we started off as this kind of like, um, probably could have been called black gaze. It was kind of like black metal, yeah. but like pop at the same time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then the second record was definitely like more proggy, mm-hmm. but still with like a little bit of that vibe. And then the third record, uh, the band leader like really wanted to make something that was a lot like Scott Walker's Climate of Hunter. So Mm -hmm. we basically took whatever's on Climate of Hunter and combined it with whatever Vora was in the past. And then it ended up being this really strange, unique thing. Yeah. And then the, the new one, we're working on the new one now and it's like definitely like very, very weird and, um, not really like any of those. And um, we're almost done. Uh, we should be done by next week, I think. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, and we don't really know who's going to put it out, and right. we don't really know what's going to happen. Um, but the record will be cool. And uh, you know, I was telling you like a few minutes ago about how I'm kind of like becoming a recording engineer. Yeah. So um, so I, I'm actually uh, my my main role in this record is that I'm doing all the mixing. And oh, I played awesome. ba- I played bass on it too, but I also like you know I'm going to be like the kind of like production engineer. That's uh, awesome, yeah. Which is cool. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get to kind of like do like a little bit of like producer stuff, you know, with like mm-hmm. cool like computer fader stuff and totally. I love plugins and cool stuff like that. And that, I but then love also, doing that shit. Yeah, 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 it's super fun. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's fantastic. Um, that's another band that I've listened to, but not enough. So I, I need to, I need to revisit that. Um, I think really... Bora like actually could have been very popular and probably still could be because Josh as a front man, like has a ton of charisma Yeah, and uh, he's a great singer. And, um, and the music is really sexy, even though it's like kind of prog, it's still really sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, um, I, I, th- you know, the only reason like we, just didn't do stuff for like the past few records is cause, uh, Josh, the singer, he had a, he had a kid. So he kind of had to oh, yeah. just do that stuff, you know? Sure. And we couldn't tour and we couldn't really follow up the records or anything like that. But I think that, I think that we could have, I mean like Agalock, do you, do you remember like years ago you asked us to open, I don't know if you asked us or who, or maybe Nate asked us, but, um, to open a, a tour. Um, yes. For I, that y'all. Was, that was probably, yeah, that was probably at my request. Yeah, we. I mean, we should have done that. We couldn't do it because I was on tour with Secret Chiefs at the time. Oh, yes. And um, that's the next thing I want to talk about, real quick. Yeah, <laughs> and then yeah, and the, and the drummer I think was also busy, but like, but we, I wish we did it. We yeah, me too. me too. And I mean, um, that would have been amazing. Yeah, and sometimes I think that if we had if we had done that, then you know, Vore would have a very different path. But I think there's still the potential for Vore to be popular because the music just kind of has this this like you know has 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 the stench of of potential of popularity yeah. <laughs> you know i mean it's weird and cool and dark but it's also sexy so right yeah yeah it could the be yeah. Of potential yeah yeah um let's listen to a vora track what do you say yeah um forgive me on the pronunciation i have no idea how to pronounce this song uh 
Oh, it's zwischen. It's it means between. It means between in German. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And this is off of which record? It's off of Sables, the third one. Okay. Here we go.
I need to revisit those records again. I've listened to them in the past, but uh, to be perfectly honest with you, like I, with when it comes to your work, I focus on Kodot and your solo work. Those are the ones that just like really, really grab me. Um, and so a lot of a lot of the other stuff that you've been in, I haven't focused on quite as much uh, for whatever reason. But uh, I really should. It's hard to keep up, man. No one's blaming you. It's okay. Yeah, yeah, it, it's, it's hard to keep up. Um, you know, it's funny with Kodot too, when, when Cars of the Eye came out, 100% on board. I saw you guys at Burbati's in Portland, um, mm. bought a shirt there that I still wear to this day. And it's, it's basically like see-through at this point. It's disgusting. Um, but I uh, saw you guys a couple of times, uh, followed your records, and then I just kind of fell off. I was like going into other stuff, going into other stuff. And then Coffins on IO. That's the one that just blew my world apart again. And I was like, holy shit. Like, I love that. Rec- That's my favorite K-Dot record by far. Awesome. Um, and that one was like, okay, I got to I, I gotta backtrack here. See, <laughs> see what they're up to again. Um, I just, you know, I just kind of lost track for a while. And I just kind of got diverted. And that one, like, pulled me back in. Um, so then I re- revisited, went back. And now I've been buying them as they come out. And even though I say Coffins on IO is my favorite, Blasphemy, eh, I mean, it's it's neck and neck for me. Like, I love Blasphemy so much. Oh, um, thanks, man. I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, I mean, that record was constant repeat for me. I mean, just constant repeat. I've only listened to the new one once. I'm waiting for the record to show up to actually just, like, immerse myself in it. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, Blasphemy, man, that was just, like constant rotation for me um i bought the the box set from prophecy oh hell yeah um i know i've only got two of those and one is my own for karata and the other one is is yours for that record oh so sick cool thank you very much oh yeah of course i mean i've i've always i've always loved your work um let's touch on secret chiefs real quick yeah um i saw you secret chiefs too in milwaukee wisconsin Mm. And I've always loved Secret Chiefs, like one of my favorite bands. And 
I would say the best live band I've ever seen. Mm. Um, I've seen them four or five times, I think something like that. Um, it was so surreal though, because it was, it was, I mean, you and I knew each other at the time, but we didn't really like know each other. Mm. Um, we didn't talk at the show or anything, but I was like, I remember telling my wife, I was like, that's Toby driver from KOTOP playing bass with secret chiefs. Like that's so mm. like, how does that happen? I mean, it you was might, just like, you might've uh, emailed me before I did. that show I, or something. Yeah. I think, I think, I think I did, but like, I feel like we knew of each other, but we didn't really know each other at that point in time. Mm. Um, but I remember just being like, how does, like, how does that happen? Like that's for me, it was, I mean, obviously there's a lot of connections there, mm. but um, just, Honestly, I was just jealous. I was like, mm. like how, how does Toby Driver get to play bass with Secret Chiefs? Like, that's fucking amazing. You and you killed it. At that time, yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah, you killed it. It was so cool. It was so cool to see you up there. And the band was doing like little costume changes, things in between right. like little sections of the set. Yeah. So good. Yeah, that was good. Um, well, I mean, um, yeah, I, I agree with you that Secret Chiefs is the greatest live. And I mean, like, we were such a good band when we played. I, I yeah. did not ever see Secret Chiefs without me, so I don't really. Oh, know. really? Okay. I don't really know mm-hmm. like what to say about that. But um, yeah. But uh, but yeah, when when I was playing with them for seven years, by the way, like I can't was it seven it was so years? Long. Wow. I played yeah. with them from oh from two thousand nine until um twenty fifteen. Okay. Twenty fifteen was the last show. So nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirty, forty, fifty. So, um. Uh, yeah. Um, I just, you know, we toured a lot and I just remember just it being just so, so, so enjoyable just on stage. That band was so good. It's Um, absolutely incredible how good that band is. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I I don't even know if I'm in secret chiefs anymore, you know, I mean like nobody's really in secret chiefs. Only Trey is, is in secret chiefs. So, um, you know, uh, we haven't really done anything in a long time. The last thing that secret chiefs did was, um, this tour opening up for dead cross. Yes. And, oh uh, my God. And, yeah, I saw and, that tour. It was insane. And I wasn't on that tour. No. Nope. Um, but I, but I did get offered that tour. I just couldn't because I was on tour with KODOT. But so it's like, okay. not like I get kicked out. It's just that that's the last thing that happened and I didn't do right. it. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and secret chiefs has over the past couple years, I guess it's been over the past seven years now since 2015, which is like the last like real secret chief show. Um, uh, Did a lot of those like Zorn um, Masada fests because they, because they did another Zorn Masada album and I actually wasn't on any of those. Okay. Um, So yeah, I'm not on that record and I'm not, I I didn't play the Masada three stuff. So they just did a a few jazz fests and I didn't do it. So Who knows? Who knows? And like, you know, since Bongo started doing stuff, like, oh, yeah. I don't think, Trey, I don't think Trey even thinks about Secret Chiefs so much anymore. Yeah. Secret Chiefs hasn't released uh, any music, you know, in a oh, while. And he put out some stuff on Bandcamp, but it was really just like all old material remixed and rearranged yeah. and stuff. So yeah. who knows? Yeah. I, I wish I would see more from that, from that band. Um, you know, they really are like one of my absolute favorites. They're just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, and it was it was super cool to see you, you playing with them. I hope I hope there's more stuff in the future. I'm sure there will be at some point. I yeah, I, I hope I I hope I get to play with them again. Um, but fortunately, you know, since Trey is like so inaccessible, I, I'm glad that I'm like in touch with everybody else. 
you know, and right. like, can mm -hmm. still work with all the other guys, you know, cause they're all like yeah, so yeah. sick. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's awesome. I have, um, Adam Stacy recently moved here. So he and I have been seeing each other about once a month and nice. that's, that's been awesome. He's a super good dude. Yeah. Really enjoy spending time with him. Um, he, I ran into him for the first time at that secret chiefs dead cross show. Hmm. And I'm an astratosphere like junkie. So I, I approached him. I was like, Oh my God, like I'm the biggest fan. And blah, blah. <laughs> like totally made a dork out of myself. Um, but it turns out he was a fan of the podcast. So it worked out well. Nice. Cool. Um, Hello, yeah. Adam. Yeah. He's yeah. a great guy. Yeah. Yeah. Love Adam. Um, well, man, that was awesome. I mean, do you have any other projects you want to talk about or, I mean, well, I have this one that I was working on last summer called Waxisha, which is like oh, yeah. me trying to be like an electronic, like IDM guy. That's right. Um, I, I have no idea how to pronounce that. So I'm glad that you said it. It's called Waxisha. Okay. Um, so anyway, I did three songs and it was me basically just like learning how to be a producer. Awesome. And it was really fun. And I, yeah, and the songs are cool. And then, and then the last one I did, which is called Never Flesh Safari, um, uh, Greg Massey plays a, a lead guitar on it and Dave Bodie, the drummer that played on in Coyote on Coyote, he okay. plays some drums on it. So it was like, you know, I, it was, you know, pandemic and I, I emailed them and I was like, can you add something to this? So it was <laughs> That's like, awesome. yeah, but it was like just my process of kind of like learning how to, um, use plugins and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah. should we listen to that? Never sure. flash Safari. Yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Here it is.
it's about time I have to wrap this up, but I do want to talk to you about one more project. Yeah. Um, and you know, the name is escaping me. So I got to Google it real quick. <laughs> okay. What and could it be? I didn't even know about this project and I feel like I'm a fairly large fan of yours. I'd never heard of it before until my very good friend, Zach Chia asked me about it. And if I was familiar with it, Oh, okay. I'm looking at your band camp because I thought it was on your band camp. Maybe it's not. Mm, oh, now okay. I'm gonna have a really hard time thinking what it is. If it's not, um, what do I do in it? You know, I I I don't know. It's it's really old. It's got a really crazy name. Oh, you post, I, you posted about it like a year ago or so. Um, um, hmm. It's got like a silly name. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. This is going to drive me crazy if I can't figure this out. Um, so Zach and I were hanging out one day at Azoth. Yeah. Working with some band. And he's like, have you heard Toby's project? whatever it is. Wow. This, this uh, is fun to try to figure out what, get, <laughs> what does it sound like? <laughs> it, it's almost like outsider music. Like, Oh, is it Stern? Uh, it's no. not my, it's, I, I just play guitar and a couple of records. It's, it's not Stern. Um, um fuck. Uh, I know this is like the wrong time to bring this up, like during a podcast. What the uh, heck is it? Okay, let me, how can I, uh, it's gotta be, I feel like it has like a, an animal in the name or something. No. Is it Piggy Black Cross? Nope. Um, nope. I know Piggy Black Cross. Uh, he brought it up and I was like, no, I don't know this. And I listened to it. And then a couple months later you ended up posting it on Facebook and you're like, Oh, here's this old thing I did. What the heck? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I should have looked this, this is, up. Before. I hope this is entertaining. This is really funny. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, okay. I can like go through like my history and tell you everything I've done. Yeah. Let's do that. Okay. So there was Modeling of the Well. Yep. Um, when I was in college, I was in a, a couple of really shitty bands. One was called Captain Smiley and one was called The Blend and one right. was called The Ghost House. No one's ever heard them. So that's Don't probably not so. what you're talking about, but it's funny to talk about them. Um, let me think. And then after Model Noel, um, I was in KO Dot. And okay. then um, let's see. And then I did some side work with uh, Tusk and with Gregor Samsa and uh, Asva. And, yeah. um, and, uh, let's see. Then like later, hmm, I've got blood mist. I've got piggy black cross. I have Vora. I play guitar in Stern sometimes. Um, there's Waxisha. No. There's piggy black cross. Did I say that already? Um, there's Toby driver. There's Laura crucible. Um, small little, well, I said that, hmm, man, I don't know. I could be talking I, about. I'm pretty sure I didn't make this up. Um, God damn it. Well, 
I apologize for bringing it up. Uh, no, I have to know. Let's keep trying to figure it out. You can like just pause this and edit it out or something. I can definitely. But I want to know. <laughs> um, okay, How, I'm gonna I'm gonna text Zach and see if he remembers what it is. Okay. Hmm. Outsider music. Spoonian? Is it Spoonian? That's it. It's Spoonian. Oh, yes. okay. Yes. Spoonian. That's it. Yes. Oh, Spoonian. okay. Okay. My that's stuff from high school. Okay. It is. It's high school. Okay. I knew yeah. it was old. I'd never heard of it. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> I told him, I don't think, I, I think you're thinking of somebody else. He's like, no, no, it's Toby for sure. And okay. I, checked, I checked it out. I remembered it sounding, maybe outsider is the wrong term, but it sounded like very you know, adolescent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was just a high school band of yours? Just high school. Okay. And it's not a band. It's just like me making stuff on a tape machine. Okay. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I mean, like um, the way that we used to do it back then, I say we, um, we as in just like musicians, you know? Right. Um, four tracks were super expensive. Yeah. Well, you know, there were hundreds of dollars, which as, you know, if you're a teenager, that's like out of reach. Totally. So, um, so the way that I would record stuff is that I would have one tape recorder, which is basically like, like this kind of tape recorder. Uh-huh. You know, I'm showing Jason this like old Panasonic cassette recorder. So, um, one like that, and then I would record something, and then I would take another one of those with a different cassette, and then I would hit play on the first one. And play that yeah. one into the air, yeah. and and then you know track over it on the new one, and then just right. keep going back and forth. And so it the was almost like, yeah, it was almost like you know, like it had a lot of that Alvin Lucier "I'm sitting in a room" effect of every time you do a track, yeah. you get like room noise and decay and stuff like that. Totally. So they sounded horrible. Um, and um, uh, if you listen to Spoonian, you'll you'll see that like all the stuff that you might be able to find on the Spoonian Bandcamp, all the vocals are sped up and stuff like that. Okay. And uh, a lot of the reason for that is because speeding up um, a speeding up a tape kind of made that noise like sound sound better. Mm-hmm. You know, it just kind of like chilled it out a little bit. Right. Um, and I also was like really into Ween when I was in high school, and then, like, yeah. so it had had stuff like that. So. Anyway, um, yeah, all that stuff. I, I made like probably thirteen albums, okay. um, but then on, on my Bandcamp, I put just like the kind of like last few of them because you know the first six or seven were embarrassingly shitty, uh, right. <laughs> and the, you know the last six or five or whatever are kind of cool. Um, and also, like at some point, I started singing about astral projection and stuff like that, uh, stuff that kind of like became the thematic content for model of the well. Okay. Um, and all that stuff is what's available on my band camp, but the stuff that happened before that, that was all like before I kind of got into that shit. Right. So yeah. the songs are about nonsense, you know, just stupid shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have a very, very similar history as well. Four track <laughs> boom boxes, you know, all that. What stuff. was your band called? Well, um, I had in high school, I had a death metal band called VBG. uh, And we were basically like napalm death carcass worship. Hmm. But then after high school, like right after I got out of high school, I I got my first four track recorder. 
but even like going back as far as like uh like i don't know like fifth sixth grade i would have kind of the same setup you did like multiple cassette recorders that i would play into the each other's microphone and i would like manually manipulate the tape as it was playing back to get weird effects and things like that yeah mm-hmm. but then i got a four track um right out right out of high school uh paid a couple hundred bucks for it and just like the the power of just having those four tracks was just blew my mind and i had a microphone and so i had this project called especially likely sloth mm-hmm. and i remember hearing about that one yeah. And, and so I did the same thing. I had like a good, like five or six different like albums worth um, of material that were just, just on tapes, you know? Um, but then I actually released like an actual album in like 2001. Mm. Um, and, but it was just purely experimenting with what can I do with multi-track recording and how can I get this to sound good? And then how can I get this to sound bad? And then how can I record this? And a lot of it was very soundscapey. A lot of it was very bungly, um, but uh, that's just how I learned to record and write mm. and produce and, you know, and yeah, now I'm yeah. now, now it's funny because years later, I'm like, I'm considering like, do I want to make another sloth record? Like, I think I should. I think I should, <laughs> but I can't like I, I when I try, it's like without those specific limitations of one keyboard, one microphone and a crappy four track. Yeah. It doesn't sound right. Yeah. I've got too much gear. I've got too much good gear. Yeah. And it's hard. It's hard to go back. So now I'm trying to hunt down that Yamaha PSR 510 that I used to record all those that sloth material so I could p- potentially make another sloth record um, yeah. at some point. But I, I recently talked with, uh, you know, the Maudlin guys, Greg mm-hmm. and, J- and Jason Byron, yeah. about this exact thing too, where, you know, um, we are like, if, yeah, if we ever were to go back and make another record, there's, um, it's just kind of like impossible given our knowledge now, Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, like the, a lot of it has to do with just like not knowing what you're doing yeah. and not, and not knowing how to use the gear and having mm-hmm. the shittiest gear and, uh, all of that stuff becomes part of the sound yeah it's like you can't really oh, for sure get yeah. that again mm-hmm. yeah definitely i'm the, whenever i talk about this it reminds me um when the sex pistols reunited i must have been like early 2000s or something like that like i read that they actually took lessons from someone on how to like play worse <laughs> like that trying can't be to, true no, they didn't. <laughs> it sounds unbelievable, but that's that's what I read. That they actually like somebody was trying to teach them like how to like play like they just picked up instruments. Whether it's true or not, I don't, I don't that, know. I, how could they not know? Like, yeah, how could they not know how to do it? Yeah, Come on. I don't know. That's just what I read. But I <laughs> I always think of that when I think about these things. Like, oh yeah, it, it is it is hard to go back, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but well, maybe if you just like, like utterly handicap yourself with the gear, then maybe it could maybe work. maybe yeah, I don't know. yeah. I don't know either, but it's hard to handicap yourself with knowledge and experience. That's you know? true. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, Toby, it was amazing to have you on. Yeah, I appreciate man. your time so much. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's great to, so, to hang. Yeah, yeah. I, I love just seeing you, whether it's on a podcast or in person or whatever. Totally. Um, so if people want to 
purchase music from you, check out your stuff. What's the best way? Uh, Bandcamp or yeah, my Bandcamp because because it, like everything's on there and it's connected to all the places. So sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. So check out Toby Driver's Bandcamp. You Which can is, Google that shit. It's and... ko.bandcamp.com. For some okay. reason, I have all of them on the ko. one. So yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that makes mm-hmm. sense. That makes sense. Yeah, um, yeah cool. Uh, thanks again, Toby, for hanging out and sharing yeah. music with me. And Thanks, Justin. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do it again soon. Yeah, I hope I see you in person soon. Yeah, I was kind of hoping to see you this summer or fall, but I'm not sure that's going to happen anymore. But, yeah, uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Let's keep our fingers crossed for next year. Yeah. Maybe. We'll yeah. see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, man. I will talk to you soon. Okay. All right. See ya. Take care. Bye. Bye.